get ready to bumble. That's right. On tonight's very special episode of the Bob and Kevin Show, we're going to debate the theories and concepts of artificial intelligence. The thoughts and opinions of Bob and Kevin of the Bob and Kevin Show are exclusively the thoughts of Bob and Kevin and not the thoughts of their employers. Past, present, and probably not future. And in the blue corner, representing the argument that our want for and fear of AI becoming sentient, or some word like sentience, weighing in at a very svelte low weight that already crowned him as the Bob and Kevin Show Weight Loss Challenge Champion, Kevin Jacheski. And in the orange corner, because I'm announcing and I love me some orange, representing the argument that AI is like a small child and will someday be sitting at the world grown-up table, multi-podcast host and all-around dirty hippie, Bob Beatty Barr. All right, listen, you twos. We went over the rules backstage, and I want a nice, clean fight, but I want you both to come out swinging with the facts hard and the opinions even harder. Do you understand? Why don't you both touch gloves and let's do this thing. You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Bar and Kevin Gieszewski. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show and our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Hello, Bob. Hello, Kevin. So, in the open, uh, the the very gracious referee said that we went over the rules in the back. Um, did we actually go over the rules? Because I'm not sure what the rules are for this episode. I don't. I don't <laughs> know either. But um, so remind us again exactly what we're doing. So set the stage. Paint the audio picture for us, Bob. Well, I think what we're talking about today, and I think we agreed upon this, is that you and I wanted to debate the premise, the philosophy, the practicality, the implications of artificial intelligence. And I think it really boiled down to, is artificial, and we've talked about this before in previous episodes, is artificial intelligence something that's just marketing or can can technology be sentient? And I know we had some back and forth, or you actually had a conversation with yourself about what that word was going to be. I can't remember kind of where we landed on that. So help us out. Yeah, so I was thinking um, maybe we could each kind of state our case. And I was thinking, you know, are, are we debating whether or not AI will become self-aware, very sci-fi, sentient, you know, self-aware, feeling emotion? You know, are we trending towards a science fiction-y type artificial intelligence? Or are we just headed down a path that's just more complicated, more of what we've already got, I guess? And so does that seem uh, correct? Sure. I would say round one, state your position. So... Go ahead and state your position. All right. So um, real quick, uh, a disclaimer. So when I go through all my research, so I did a little bit of research over the last day or so. And uh, so clearly I'm an expert now. Damn you. (laughs) 
<laughs> so my disclaimer is, is if I sound like I'm just like a babbling buffoon and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, dude, that guy is so like wrong and here's why. I put on each and every one of you who determines or detects this to reach out to us and set us straight for the record because honestly, I've, uh, I've there's a lot of great research here and I, I want to be educated myself. What do you think, Bob? Well, I think we're going to drop in the connect with us just to remind people. Hey, have you ever wondered how you can get in touch with us at the Bob and Kevin Show? Well, first... You can try us via email at comments at bobandkevinshow.com. Or are you more into social? If so, you can find us on Twitter at Bob and Kevin Show. Or on Instagram as Bob N. Kevin Show. That's Bob, the letter N, Kevin Show. And if you're still on Facebook, you can even find us at facebook.com slash Bob and Kevin Show. And for the serious business fans, you can even find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash the dash Bob dash Kevin dash show. How's that for a handle? Let's connect. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to definitely state up front that neither you nor I are professionals in the field of artificial intelligence. And we're probably going to cite some sources, which we'll hopefully put in the show notes. And uh, really, this is to spark conversation and to see, probably to test each other, to see what each of us knows or what each of us believes when it comes to the future of artificial intelligence. So state your premise. So my premise... Or position. Yes. So my my position is is essentially, I just think we're going to get more sophisticated decision logic moving forward with very real limitations that may or likely don't exist in human beings. And that is my delineation between humans and a, air quote, sentient AI. I don't think we'll ever have a sentient AI. What do you think, Bob? So my position, surprise, spoiler alert, shocker, is a little bit different than this. Um, I'm not taking it so much from a programmer perspective of what the limitations of technology might or may not be. Um, I'm taking it from the position that, you know, 200 years ago, space travel was a total myth. It could never happen. There's no way that humans were going to be possible to visit other planets. Um, and the same with AI is that the concept or the common, one of the common thoughts is, is that there's no way we can get there because a machine can't have the same qualities as a human. And my argument is a little counter to that, that AI is in its infancy, just like, like small children are in their infancy. And we will be able to teach a machine to have very much the same qualities that we have. Not exactly, but very much the same qualities that we have. All right, so we're ready to start presenting some of our um, research or just general feeling because it doesn't even have to be research. It can just be like shooting from the hip. What do you think? Round two? Yeah, I think I think we're, we we finished round one by stating our positions and and now it's round two. And do you want me to do you want me to kick things off or do you want to keep well, going back and forth in the same rotation? I've got a follow up to your position if you don't mind. You said. <laughs> If, Go for it. <laughs> uh, let's see what the stenographer said about um, what you just said, Bob. You said um, humanity a long time ago, we've never visited another planet. Um, 
remind me again, how many planets have we visited, Bob? Well, we have visited uh, the moon, which is a celestial body. So I'll, I'll, hold up, are... I'll hold up how many planets in my right hand so you can see. Keep... Right. But we're currently in the process of getting ready to send. We, we've sent vehicles out well past the next planet, well past the edge of our solar system. We're getting ready to send manned vehicles to a quote unquote near planet. Just like none of that stuff. Just like we're none of that stuff was even fathomed before. Just like we're planning on creating sentient AI, but we haven't done it yet. Correct. Very much so. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just messing with you here. Getting, no, I, getting you rattled early is, on. <laughs> we're going for the we're we're getting the conversation started. So I uh, yeah. So yes, but we actually have the capability to at this exact moment in time to send a one-way mission to another planet. All right. I would like to... So that was just kind of a, a little jab at you here early on. Um, sure. Are you familiar with Alan Turing, who he was? Yes. Uh, long time before AI was even a thing to be discussed, uh, Turing developed the Turing test, which would be if uh, a human could be convinced that a computer-based technology was real than therefore it was. And we kind of have a modern take on that where it's starting to get scary, where it's, you know, you could probably say, wow, I think that's finally been passed. And, and our, I think our recent history says the Google auto-dialer thing. Does that have an actual name? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, we've talked about this on a couple episodes. Of course, I can't remember the actual name of the product, but the concept is is uh, a virtual assistant that can actually make outgoing calls on your behalf, um, whether you're a business or an individual. Uh, Google Duplex, there I believe, is what yes. it's called. Good call. Um, and do we know did that actually pass the Turing test? Well, who who doesn't that sound subjective anyway? I can't tell, but I'm I'm Fred, and I you know whatever I'm Fred, and I think no, you know, or yes. So that's kind of subjective. Well, that's a very, very interesting concept that you bring up the subjectivity because a lot of things that are talked about from the uh, the naysayers about artificial intelligence is they like to bring up paradoxes in these Stack Overflow forums about artificial intelligence. So take that disclaimer for what it's worth. It's happening objection, in Stack Overflow. Objection, Your Honor. I shouldn't have sent you the link earlier today that I was <laughs> <laughs> trying to make a point later on. But this is a very valid point, and you can jump to your counterpoints on that. The paradox, the, 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 just the application of paradox, there's an egotistical element to that that says because this paradox exists that can break a machine, that, that for, therefore the machine is not on an equal playing field with human beings. I will argue that there are many paradoxes that are used to quote-unquote break algorithms that also break human beings. Because there's many a human being, all, probably to almost the person, who won't be able to define the meaning of life, who won't be able to decide, you know, given paradox A versus paradox B. Um, so I, I don't necessarily believe that paradoxes are a way to prove that AI is not sentient. All right, let's go. Up, can't ever be sentient. Let's go up one level on the call stack back to Alan Turing, just for context. He was a yeah. Sorry, that was my bad. He was <laughs> he uh, was. Uh, 
born in 1912 and died in 1954. So it's been a while. And if you overlay like modern computing with that timeline, they really don't overlap that much. We're talking like World War II era computer, computers that filled a room um, at the end of his life. And he's considered the father or the grandfather of artificial intelligence, which is just mind blowing in its own way to go, wow, somebody who was in the first half of the 20th century is, you know, shoot, 1912, that's over 100 years ago. He was born over 100 years ago. <laughs> of course, he's died now. But isn't that amazing that somebody like that is considered the god or godfather? I'm, I'm picking like all kinds of family terms here of AI. What do you think? It's totally amazing. But in the same regard, it's very interesting to take into account that neural networks were being developed and applied during as early as the 1940s. So neural network, basically quick definition is, you know, basically very simple computational tasks being interconnected to achieve a greater good. So it, it's not really that shocking that as a, as a species ourselves as humans, that we, you know, we're trying to, or looking forward to the time when something next came. So the Turing thing being, you know, born over a hundred years ago, not shocking, but kind of very interesting, probably to the rest of the conversation. The reason I bring him up is because he introduced more than just the Turing test. So the Turing test is kind of actually a footnote, but that's actually how I learned who he was back in the day. Well, what's the Turing test and why do I care? Oh, that's kind of like this cool sci-fi, you know, Thing. But he also did something called the Turing machine, which is, um, if I can even define it simply, it's something that can infinitely recurse. So it's a machine that can take a program and input and infinitely recurse. So we use C Sharp, uh, JavaScript, Java. Those are Turing complete languages. You can do basically math with those. Whereas like HTML, yes, it's a language, but it's not Turing complete because you can't add two numbers with HTML. Now, CSS, I think, has crossed over from one to the other recently. <laughs> but um, so Alan Turing was responsible for that. And so a lot of times we'll refer to computer languages being Turing complete languages, meaning I can basically do math and do recursion um, and so on and so forth. Why is that important? Well, it's important because AI, for the most part, uses Turing complete languages. Tracking so far, I know this is kind of dry, but... Makes sense. It is dry, but it's important to set a baseline. So, yeah. So, um, one problem. Well, let me back up. Bob, quiz time for you. Did you know? Well, let me ask you this. Are, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to give me the 50-50 because that's too much like the rudimentary of AI. Well, here, here's a 50-50-ish one for you. Are all statements either true or false, Bob? No, they're not either true or false. What is the third possibility? Well, the third possibility branches into that paradox realm where it's everything is not measured in absolutes. I'll agree with 90% of that answer. Not saying you're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but so there are... Well, it's like saying like all, you know, like all ice creams are either X and Y. I have an ice cream that's Y. Therefore, I have an ice cream. Like, all ice creams come in flavors of chocolate and vanilla. I have a food that's flavored chocolate. Therefore, it must be an ice cream. So, right. That's similar to what 
what's uh, commonly called the liar paradox. Yes, I'm going to bring in paradoxes, Bob. So <laughs> the, par- the common one is this statement is false. So if the statement is false, the sentence should evaluate to true, but clearly the statement is false. So what actually that third option is, is there are some problems that are undecidable. And so uh, when you're in Turing complete languages, I believe it's called totality, is basically you're guaranteed to have some sort of answer for the most part. And I think this is where it's gray area for me. Either it's true or false or maybe even null, you know, or, you know, it's a nullable data type. But at some point I need to know, you know, it, we, we look towards an answer. Now, if we were to look at mathematics, did you know... And this is where Bob says, yes, I did know, Kevin, um, that we cannot prove arithmetic without axioms. So an axiom, you know, is a fancy word for a statement of truth with no backing. You know, it's basically, well, it's a given. So if I say two plus three equals five, we only agree that two plus three equals five because of, I believe his name's Pino or... uh, you know, anyway, it's somebody's axioms from the 19th century who formalized it and basically said, yes, um, this is a natural number, a natural number plus the number one gives you the next in the series. And it's where we got all those things in grade school and middle school or the transitive property and the, the whatever, whatever. Those all came from the axioms. The strange thing about it is we can't actually prove that two plus three equals five. We have to take it on faith that it is true. And so why does that matter in the grand scheme of things? Well, we, our job why, is... Why are, you proving, why are you proving my side of the argument? This is so weird. I'm not proving your side of the argument, <laughs> baby bar. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is we as humans are taking a set of axioms that we created and we're simulating um, a, a, a... We're trying to create a, a being with these things, with these known limitations. Mathematics has an entire Wikipedia article that you have to scroll a lot. And that's, and when you got to scroll out in Wikipedia and it's a list, that's, that's facts. <laughs> so I'm making, <laughs> that means yes, a, but, it's a hard problem. But we make people every single day to the magnitude of billions of them that live their day-to-day lives based on these things that can't necessarily be proven, but we've adopted them as our reality. Right. So why can't we give a machine that same set of premises that a machine can just take as fact? Okay, fair enough. And this is where it gets weird for me, and I don't know if this is an accurate statement or not, but because programming languages are Turing complete, we, we can only use tools that, Arrive can at I an bust outcome. in? Can I bust in for a second? Yes. Today's pro. Today's programming language. Asterisk. Today's programming. Cro- easy for me to say. Today's programming languages are Turing complete. Okay. By that measurement scale. Correct. And there, humans. There that some... humans created and said this is real and this is what the law is. That is correct. So, but let me let me interrogate you a little further on that. So, in your world, we can have sentient beings, but it it is predicated on invented yet to be created dreamt up dream magic technology just like we're going to go to the to mars or we're going to go to out of the solar system but it's also predicated on technology that really doesn't exist right now 
Well, it's interesting that you mention that because that sounds a little bit like creativity. Did you know that when uh, AlphaGo, the result of a Google, uh, I think it was basically a, a crowdsourced trying to find AI technology, um, AlphaGo, which beat the world champion at the, it's not really a board game, it's a strategy game called Go. When AlphaGo beat the world, the reigning world champion in Go, other world champions looked at the way that that program beat the champion and said that that program displayed creativity because it came up with moves and strategies that none of them had considered before. But now, isn't that they an said, ego subjectivity problem? Well, that's the interesting thing. They said creativity. It just so happens that the computer was powerful enough to computate uh, outcomes that they as human beings could not. So creativity is a human subjective measurement. So is it displaying properties that are like creativity or is it actual creativity? So the argument could be that there actually aren't any creative human beings. So therefore, we can't use creativity as a measurement for whether something is sentient or not. Subjectivity. It just might be a. It might be a result that we are yet too far aware of. So it appears creative-like. Subjectivity is a problem in this entire case, just so you know, because how we view individually each piece of this highly determines, you know, positions. Our, it's giant, and you actually said arithmetic can't be proved. So subjectively, we've committed it to reality where it actually cannot be proved. Well, uh, it's it, like, if, if, yeah, so some humans, and there's a bunch of people out there who study this stuff, and it's like amazing articles to read. We're going to have so many links in the show notes. I can already feel yes, it right now. Yes, we are. <laughs> anyway, all right, so getting back on track. So very valid point. Um, and then back to the unsolvable things. So I asked um, Alexa, I said, Actually, I told Alexa something today. I pushed the button and I said, Alexa, this statement is false. I just want to see what it did. And to my surprise, she came back with, and I was doing this on my phone, so I have a visual too. Hey, that's the liar paradox. And I'm like, yes, it is. She's like, and she basically read it to me and like, yeah, I can't solve that. Nobody can. I'm like, okay. Right. Very you can good. teach your child that exact same response. Yes. And I'm like, very good. However, AI, we can only train AI about the known unsolvable problems. But when a human encounters one, and this is where it's just my feeling, I think humans are able to make judgments quicker, or at least maybe at all where AI couldn't, whether or not we should keep pursuing something. The next example is I said, Alexa, count to infinity. What do you think she did, Bob? I hope she didn't start counting. <laughs> she didn't. She came back and said, infinity is a magical number, concept. basically. It's a concept. But if I want her to count to infinity, she refused. She will not count to infinity. Much like an educated child would refuse to count to infinity. Right. But she wouldn't even count the first five or the first arbitrary number. So right now she's coded. And I, I can see that she's just coded that way to go, okay, that's a, a futile thing. But she had been told that. She didn't decide, in my opinion, she, did, she didn't decide that, you know what, that's kind of stupid. 
Nobody counts to infinity. We don't necessarily decide anything. We're always operating on what we're told. So if I ask my kids to count to infinity, my 10-year-old will come back and say, uh, you can't. So he knows that. If I ask my six-year-old, she'll be like, what's infinity? <laughs> right. Because so, she hasn't been told yet. And my four-year-old will start going, one, two, three, and then question later on, what What am I supposed to count to? <laughs> well, it's this thing that doesn't exist. You're right. So it's a trainable thing. So imagine the list of things you have to train an AI. So, you know, we have machine learning. We could send a a bot, a robot, to school to learn a basic education. So long as it could learn. But that would rule out AI because AI doesn't write its own code. It can only store data. And the way machine learning works is probabilities. Well, I've gone to school and, you know, I've recorded this data and probably this is the answer. But at no point would I make the leap of faith and go, this silicon-based thing has actually learned something. What say you? Well, I want to address this. I also, there's something else I want to moment to. So let me address this, and then I want to present the next concept. But, um, so you and I are both fans of Falcon Heavy, right? Oh, yeah. So that whole, that whole entity that Falcon Heavy is has nothing to do with AI. But presenting this for case in point, there is not one team that builds that system from start to finish. There's a team that builds the, the guidance system. There's a team that works on propulsion. There's a team that works on recovery. There's a team that works on how they land that thing on a boat. So there's all these different teams, and they're working independently on developing the modules that connect together to make that greater, you know, whole is greater than sum of parts. You can't just take the engine. You can't just take the guidance system. You can't just take the landing system. You can't just take the comms, the visuals, any of that kind of stuff. It all has to come together. So um, we're building this in pieces. So it can be taught. And it can actually, I honestly believe, it can be taught to write its own modules to adopt new data, much like children do. You can't talk to an infant and give them all the skills they need to be full-grown adults. That happens in stages, and different members of their family and their community and their social unit contribute to the components that make them the person that they are. Right now in AI, we're building components. Is it a hot dog or not? Those kind of things. Uh, Can you infer from text what the sentiment is? Can you listen to audio as AI and determine if there's post-traumatic stress syndrome and all those kind of things from analyzing audio waves. So all those things are being built independently and someday they will converge. That's one thought. But I want to ask you a question, Kevin. Are you, are you familiar with the, uh, Sphex wasp? I have no idea what that is. Okay, so we've been talking about machines, or actually, Kevin, you've been talking about programming and machines and what they are and are not capable of. And we've been talking about paradoxes. And I had mentioned earlier on that people, and it turns out that actually in the animal kingdom, fall prey to paradoxes as well. The Sphex wasp, we'll put that link in the show notes as well, has a 
it's a sentient being. It's a wasp. Feels pain, lives, dies, all those kind of things. Has a weird pattern with its prey. So it goes and it kills its prey and it brings its prey to the edge of the nest. Then it goes inside the nest and checks the nest for safety. Now the experiment that was run on the Sphex wasp is someone would take the prey and move it away from the edge of the nest when they were in checking the nest. Now, in theory, the wasp should be able to come out, identify where the prey is, already know that it's cleared the nest, bring the prey into the nest. However, this is where the paradox for the Sphex wasp happens. It goes and it finds the prey after it's been moved. It brings it back to the edge of the nest, then goes back into the nest and checks it again. If you move the wasp again, it, or the prey again, it goes and gets it, brings to the edge, checks the nest again. It has a finite piece of programming. It will do that until it's dead because that's the pattern it follows. Sounds but like yet, a very recursive is, loop. Yes, but yet it is a sentient being because it lives, it dies, it reproduces, all those other kind of things. So it's living in the same living realm, I'm doing air quotes by the way, as the rest of us as creatures, yet it follows a very set programming. Uh, just for reference, anyone familiar with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder? Me. Where, you, where, <laughs> you re where someone who is afflicted with that repeats the same order of operations over and over and over and over again in a very obsessive, compulsive manner. Right. We have human beings that act like machines living all around us every day. So I just wanted to bring in another piece of research with the Svex wasp to say that maybe our judgment of what is sentient might need to be readjusted. All right. So fair point. <laughs> I want to I want to go back to what you said about learning. So I would agree that given input into a system, whether it be biological or mechanical, if we call a robot mechanical, they have the ability to do something with that input. I know a human being can form memories, um, you know, do what humans do with it. Can you describe to me what you think a machine would do when it, air quotes, learns? You said it possibly write its own code, add it to a data store. I don't know that so if we define AI as basically logic statements, recursive or not, and machine learning as statistical analysis, hey, put more data in here and categorize it, how, uh, how would you envision a machine learning any different, or is that kind of what you're thinking? Well, it's definitely kind of what I'm thinking, but would you be surprised to know that there's research and data out there that shows that you can actually implant uh, factual factual information inside of human beings. So you can give a human being a backstory. You can give a human being experiences that they think that they recall. So you can actually do that with living sentient beings. You can <laughs> most certainly put that in a program. Yeah, we, we have a word for that, right? It's called inception, right? To, to place a, a thought into somebody's mind, whether they know it or not. It's inception, right? So, but Bob, I even know for me as a human being, like that I have false memories from my childhood because just from the telephone game, stories get told and retold in a way that might not actually be an accurate um, depiction of what really happened. But you think that that's the fiber of your background, which actually may help determine the person that you are today.
So it's kind of related, kind of not related. Last week, I sent you a link, and the link was from space-astronomy.org, and it, it was entitled something to the effect of NASA confirms cannabis originated from outside the solar system or something like that. Oh, God, and I don't know if I got a chance to read that one, but I loved the headline. <laughs> so I, I sent that to you, and I retweeted it, and here's I only got two responses. I got one from you, which was something like, you know something and then somebody else online said ah that's i guess explain snoop dogg's videos that was uh nathan <laughs> wolf i believe nice the best part of the article i mean if you read the headline go wait a second cannabis comes from outside the that means we had it's postulating that life came from somewhere other than earth well if you click on the article the entire article is I'm glad you clicked on this article because this article is completely, the headline's completely false. We just, we've actually run an experiment to see if people are even clicking on headlines anymore and just sharing headlines and not even bothering to read the articles. Uh. So <laughs> dig through your history, Bob, and click that link one of these days. And I, I had a good laugh. I'm like, that bastard. Didn't Everyone read just it. got Eddie Bravoed. <laughs> Totally look into it. Yeah, look into it. <laughs> so, so yes, humans can easily be duped. If that's where you're going, I totally agree. Or at least, no. Yeah. But the thing is, is we can create, like, instead of you know, like AI. I was born yesterday. You can create a backstory for a piece of programming, where they're actually filling a function as the human being that they thought they were going to be, because that's what they were told. Not the human being, but the the entity that they were taught to be. Bob, and it works with people. We are suggesting that humans are creating a life form with artificial intelligence, right? That's kind of where we're going. If they're sentient, we're essentially creating a life form. Is that accurate to say? Is that an equivalent that statement? To totally fits in with the whole human ego we want to create. And we're going to create something in our own image because why? Because we want to be gods. So we have enough kids between us to f and and adults to field a baseball team with subs. Um, so we know how to create humans, right? Uh, the thing is, is Bob, can you give me an example where humans created a biological life form, like a new one? Well, if you do some digging. I don't have these in my show notes, but I have heard that there are experiments in places that don't have the same strict regulations that we have, where they are actually creating hybrids from human and animal DNA. So DNA editing, but what about something from scratch? Just be like, you know what, today I'm going to create a, a whatever uh, out of scratch. Do we, we have zero, no. right? I think AI is the first venture into that. And I think it's probably fair that I, this time I give some props to some of my background discussions and information. Are you familiar with um, a person by the name of Lex Fridman? Uh, only Lexes I know are from Superman. Well, it's funny because this guy is Russian. Um, he's a research scientist at MIT and works on human-centered AI and autonomous vehicles. And he teaches courses on deep learning. So a lot of my background information tonight um, has come a little bit from his episode on the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> ah, very nice. So 
so back to the biological. So humans have never created a biological one. So we've decided, and I'm guessing that AI is an, a lower hanging fruit. Is that is that an accurate say, statement? Since we can't do it in biology, or we haven't figured it out, well, we are cloning. But that's 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 copy paste. That, that's already taking something that exists. Right. You didn't, so, you didn't invent the floppy disk if you if you copied the other floppy disk. You know, it's it right. was always there. So yes, I think this is our first as a race, our first foray, or at least a publicly documented foray into creating a quote unquote life form. Yes. So. Um, kind of drawing on one of our older episodes or almost, I don't know, the previous 30-some. Um, in human society, we have plenty of gray issues. How are we going to build an AI, if it's sentient or even not sentient, that can evaluate gray area things? For instance, humans, when we grow up and we come across a gray area issue, what do we do? We go, well, based on what I learned, where I'm from, here's all the inherent biases that I've been programmed with, pun intended. Which biases are we going to choose to instill into AI to handle these gray issues, Bob? So let me just double check here. Is your premise that there will be one AI shop where all AI is developed and distributed throughout the globe? With the same set of biases, <laughs> correct. Because Google, the Google Plex is now they've hit mass production. Okay, let's change it to Facebook because I know nope, Facebook it, could screw the world. It's not it's not going to happen that way, though. There's teams all over the globe that are pursuing this, and each one has a module that's going to contribute to the greater good. But each one of those teams developing those modules is going to put their fingerprint on the child that they create. So well, there, there's going to be multiple teams around the globe that are going to be distributing these pre-sentient AI iterations that are basically going to... I mean, it, it really, it's going, to, it's going to evolve just like we have. So there's going to be there's going to be AI that believes X. There's going to be AI that believes Y. There's going to be biases toward, and that that was one of the things that you know, one of the premises for AI in general was the hope that it would that would create fairness, quote unquote fairness. But the data that we're feeding, much like the data that we feed our children, is inherent with bias. So no fairness isn't even a bonus of AI. I think I think AI will be biased because should I go left or right? Should I run over the statue in my Google car to to avoid the child or not is programmed in there. So even if the parts come from different places, they all have the CPU from Apple. They all have the the whatever box from the linguistics team and and we won't have a hundred different robot AI sentient beings, if this is even possible, created it in the same instant, there'll be one company that goes, aha, we figured it out. And Bo, by the way, fuck you guys, we've just patented it. <laughs> it will it will only take moments in the grand scheme of time for other companies to develop it too. There will be bias, 110%. They will be just like us in, in word, form, and deed. They right. will be broken. They will... They will be evil, they will be good, they will be kind, they'll be right, and they'll be wrong. But all the ones from Google will be one set of biases. All the ones from Facebook will be one set of biases. So we'll have four biases. Until they're, until they're influenced by someone from the other group to change their group think. Assuming they, that magical technology to rewrite your own logic exists. I feel like you've shared 
snippets with me that prove that AI can <laughs> actually bias another program. Yeah. By the outcomes. I think you have shared that with me. Like one program can actually create bias in another. Right. You based could, on outcomes. You could theoretically tell one AI could tell another AI, stand on the railroad tracks, trust me. You won't be harmed. And then it gets run over. So that takes me to my next thing. How do you teach trust to a robot? Conceptually, what is what is trust? How do you codify trust, Bob? Well, I think you can nut it down to I'm given this piece of data from what my existing data set is. I can say that this data provided matches up with data set A, and therefore I'm starting to trust data provided by this source, much like our children trust us because we give them the data that they need. So then they go away from the nest and they're exposed to other sub, you know, subcommunal groups and they are given different sets of data and then they're presented with the choice, do I trust the data of my maker or do I trust the data of my social group? So trust is basically data verification, which can be tainted by uneducation. So I was reading through that Stack Overflow I sent you earlier. Basically, can, the, pre, the question was, is can uh, you kill AI through a paradox? And there's, there's, I thought it was a really interesting read. First off, did you read that particular one? I, I would assume so, because you oh, referenced you know it earlier. Oh, you know I did, because I'm already <laughs> quoting it. <laughs> so that was a, a very interesting um, thing to go through. And Basically, it comes down to what you believe. I think that was very subjective, some of the answers. Well, it depends and this. But one of the ones that stuck out to me is, as humans, we like to anthropomorphize. Promorphize. Gosh, I can't say words when I podcast, Bob. Anyway. Well, anthropomorphize is a big one. Yeah, that's a lot of letters and syllables. So, And I think that's the one where we take something that's non-human and try to make it human. It's kind of like personification. Maybe. Yeah, you give it human properties. Yes. Yeah, there you go. And so I would postulate that we are closing the gaps between what we can do with AI and what we can't do with AI and go, well, humans can do it. So one day we'll get there. It's a, it's a lock. We will get there with AI too. And I think that's the leap of faith that I'm not willing to take. What do you think? I, I a hundred percent believe that it's inevitable. And I a hundred percent believe that the failures along the way are going to be the things that we regret. Uh, I sent you another clip or a <laughs> clip, <laughs> actually paperclip article. Um, it was called the paperclip maximizer. And the too long didn't read bit of it is, is if you give AI a particular goal in life and it is to amass the largest paperclip collection you can do at, by all means, what do you think will happen, Bob? Today's AI or tomorrow's AI? Uh, I'll just, I'll take away any time. Just AI. What, what do you think AI, who, who meets your standard of sentient, would do? Well, I think that that person will start out collecting paperclips. Sorry, that AI will start out collecting paperclips until something from their social group convinces them that there's no value in collecting paperclips. And then they will have to bring in trust again. And say, but my creator said my goal in life was to collect paper clips. And it could be another program. Let's say it's AI that mines Bitcoin and says, no, 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 there's nothing in paper clips. 
trust me, Bitcoin's where it's at because that's what my creator said. And that could actually influence that AI to therefore take all the skills that were given to it by its creator to collect paper clips and all of a sudden start collecting Bitcoin. So here's my take on it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Humans go bye-bye because they get in the way of physical space that the AI can now use to build paperclip factories and there are no more humans because they're in the way. That's what I think will happen. But you're that's giving that's taking credit away from the creator saying that collect paperclips except for when it harms humans. Like isn't it our responsibility? I mean, since we are basically the parents, sorry to use the family metaphor because we've brought it up with, you know, Turing being the grandfather of AI, but we are the parents of these beings that we create. And if we don't give them parameters like that, trust me, someone's not going to give them parameters and those are going to be the mistakes we regret, but they will get out into the wild. So we have to be responsible with the, unfortunately, the biases and the parameters because this is what we do with our kids. We give them biases and parameters that are directly inherited from ours. No matter how great a parents we think we are, we're giving them bias when we give them parameters. So, Bob, how much of AI, this is, I'm trying to trap you here. So, sorry. I know you are. I'm trying to That's help you job. here. How, <laughs> zero to 100%, how much of AI is logic? Uh, I would say 100%. Okay. That's great. Stop there. I'm moving how much on. Is your, how much of your existence is logic? Mine? Yeah. Depends. Are you asking me or my wife? Well, but it should be based <laughs> in logic. It should be based on logic with an addition of the data you've collected. Well, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, so I think one of the common things is like, you know, if you're thinking about programming AI, if you're thinking about programming people, like a common premise would be murder is bad. And this would be one of those paradoxes. Murder is bad except for when. Is it an absolute? Or when right. you're trying to defend your home, your property, and your family, is murder still bad? So it, everything is logic-based. Everything is a branch. But even if, even if you think you're putting your feeling in it, even if you think you're putting the, your religious background, even if you think you're putting like just tons of family pride or whatever it is, it's still a logical conclusion that you're drawing based on the data that you've been given. So, and that's a great point. That's a great human... Uh, let's call it internal battle that, you know, when you join the military, hey, thou shalt not kill, but oh, by the way, you're an agent of war and death now, you know, been there, done that. So if if it's 100% logic-based and it's if-then-else's, do does it, our AI require a firmware upgrade when it wants to change its mind on that particular topic? Or is it hard-coded? Or is it a data table somewhere that's hackable, you know, I guess, I guess hack humans are hackable. We already established that. So I guess there are, yeah, I'm answering my own question here, but let me, so since AI is hundred percent logic, Bob, here's next questions for you. Can AI get bored? That's question number one. Oh, do, is that, oh, I have that, to give a that, yes or no answer right now. Yes, Senator. I need a yes or no <laughs> answer. Can AI, AI get bored? AI cannot get bored if AI is not given the data to understand that monotony is something that you might want to rebel against. Can AI get frustrated? Same as answer A. 
AI so, doesn't know frustration if they're not given the parameters of what frustration means. So, so if we, if we want very them to be... Go ahead. This is a very interesting... So like you're starting to bring in these very human characteristics. And there's an entire camp around AI that is the philosophical camp. It's not the science. It's not the technology. It's the philosophical that says basically... If we don't know ourselves, we can't pre-qualify what AI is about anyway. So there's a whole, so part of that, you know, components to the whole, some is greater than the parts of, there's the philosophical component that is trying to figure out, you know, what it is to be human to either set up what we can do with AI or what we shouldn't do with AI. So those are kind of like almost the watchdogs of AI, well, not necessarily what- bound by technology. Today's April 30th, 2019. Put me on record for humans are not qualified to be A, creating sentient beings from scratch, and B, nor should we be trying. So I'm on we record. Do it, for- we do it every day to the magnitude of almost 8 billion people. I don't think we've hit 8 yet, have we? Well, no, I'm saying creating them from scratch, not... not um, we do create them from scratch and rubs and moans but i mean we are creating them from scratch we don't know what we're getting when we roll those dice well i i'm also on record say that to um to make sure your species doesn't go extinct i think that's okay but to create another species that did not previously exist have you seen jurassic park hello i'm gonna I'm going to re I know I understand where you're going with this and I, my fears are right there with you, but to go back to my statement, like nay, 10 minutes into the conversation tonight as human beings, we are want to create, and this is a chance to create something in our own image and therefore make us gods. I would argue that we have children for the same exact reason. All right, this is getting re- <laughs> this is getting heavy. All right, next it is heavy. There's a giant philosophical component to this, a giant one. Well, I feel like there's a bunch of like Bond, like James Bond villains out there, and um, they work at Facebook, <laughs> and they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to do it just be just to, because we can, and never asking the philosophical should we be doing this. No, you know, I think I think they all their egos say that this is something we should be doing because there's, you know, there's uh what's that component when you're doing some the altruistic component that this frees up humans to live their best life. Hashtag live <laughs> but Okay. Is so, it? so this is gonna be a very controversial statement. Well no, we've already learned that slavery is definitely a bad thing. So okay, do we want your, to enslave your machines? Came you know, that was a your that was your word and I was gonna use it myself. I was like, you know what? So what you're saying is is AI is meant for slavery. No, Dis- I, I think that there's a huge camp that thinks that we're going to enslave machines and that will only end badly. Yes, absolutely. Therefore the the quick refactor that is is just enjoy life as it is folks i don't want that robot dog that's currently at what's its name's headquarters that can open doors i don't want that dog turning into the dog that's in that black mirror episode that can shoot me with bullets (laughs) yeah not good all right so in my research here i uh, stumbled upon something called the halting problem that uh, i believe touring 
uh, invented in 1936, no less. 1936. Are you familiar with the halting problem, Bob? Uh, Not by name. Did you know? So back then they already used words like algorithm. I'm like, how how is this even? Okay, I guess in the truest sense of the word, algorithm is just a series of steps, right? Yeah, algorithm's a process. So back then, he proposed and proved, apparently, and I'm going to just assume Wikipedia and all the articles that I found that said he proved this, is that it is not possible to come up with an algorithm to determine whether or not another algorithm will stop or go, or go on for infinity based on every set of... Imp- so you cannot be 100% sure that given X and Y that the program will not just run forever. So there's a couple of things like, ah, Kevin, that's not true. When I look at something that says, while true, I know that's infinite, and I see something that's print hello world that's going to halt. That Those programs are going to end. And ReSharper tells me sometimes that these things are a thing. But the, the thing is, is there is no algorithm out there that will say, given all sets of input or any, any arbitrary set of input and any arbitrary program, whether or not it will run forever, given enough time and memory, or that it will stop. Stack Overflow. What say you, Bob? Have you ever heard of that? Uh, I think as a human, I live it every day. There's, <laughs> things, there's things that I have been pondering since I was able to ponder them. Um, does, it, does the program ever exit? No, well, but may, maybe I do things like drink, or exercise, or to take my mind off the program, but the program is always running. Well, the implication here with AI is, is if AI starts working on something, it could find itself in an infinite loop. And this is outside but, of the paradox but thing. But people it, find themselves in infinite loops all the time. Right, but you're not going to find a whole lot of humans that are just sitting, staring are at a sure? bar... Are you no, sure? No, I'm not sure. There's a, there's a handful. I will give you that. There, there's but, way larger than a handful, my friend. But if you walk into a room in a conference and you utter something, the whole conference room doesn't just go into a, a zombie state because they're all computing it. And they don't realize they can't actually break out of the loop. Well, because they're not all running the same program. And that goes back to what I'm saying earlier. There's not going to be one if-then-else algorithm for all AI. But there's going to be a general data library. There's going to be a general, these are, this is kind of how it works. You're not going to have N number of bots and N number of personalities. But we all have a library of data that we pursue. The the thing is, is that here's the nut of the whole conversation tonight. You are saying that technology will only ever be what we tell it to be. And my argument is, is that as the creative human beings, I'm putting creative in air quotes, as the resourceful human beings that we are, we will find a way to let this technology create its own additional libraries of data or absorb all the ones that we have. Our experiences are all cataloged. What, do you, what experience do you get that a machine could not? Experience is one thing. Turning it into a lesson learned is... How did Unique you get to lessons learned? Do you think that it's because you have this strange combination of DNA that allows you to walk upright and smile <laughs> and nod? And like, what gives you 
that innate human quality that makes you unique? Yes, um, DNA and well, so let's back up a second. Humans, but you we can don't make e- almost an identical clone of yourself in thought, word, and deed in your children if you put enough time, energy, and effort into making that happen. Why could we not do the same thing with a machine? Because it's not a human. Because but it doesn't. There's there's not one to one analogs. There there are. So if I were to say a human can do a hundred percent of the list, I would say. We current technology only allows us to hit 70% of that list. The other 30%, it's okay, let's go 80 20 rule. That's a classic. We've got the 80% in AI and machine learning. Boom, done, it works. The next 20%, I would say, is the Achilles paradox. Is as we tr- we try to get closer and closer and closer, we, we never reach the speed of light. We can get close, but we'll never reach the speed of light when it comes to creating our own sentient beings. You know why? Right. We don't even know what the hell a soul is in humans. Right. And exactly. now we're trying to invent one for a species. And oh, by the way, we've never invented a species before. But humans' ego thinks that, yeah... Let's create our own species and make it just like us. Right. That's the key, just like us. How many people would you estimate out there that that are living sentient human beings that fail the Turing test? They exist. Uh, yeah. True or false, they exist. True. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, then we're going to have AI that also fails the Turing test, but is going to... Did you know that there's legislation popping up all over the globe to grant rights to non-human entities that are digitally based? Bob, I can go run for Congress if I get elected. I promise you I will propose that this stack of uh, potatoes sitting next to me will, tr- will be eligible for citizenship and rights. But you know what? It doesn't make it <laughs> good just because. But those are one of the things, like when you say basic human rights— all of a sudden we're starting to share those basic human rights with non-human entities. Um, There are actually um, species of apes that are being legislated for because they can pass a Turing test. Wow, I want to hear him talk. Well, it doesn't have to be auditory. It just has to be response and knowledge. We have people that are walking the planet that have lower IQs than some of our primates. Yet they are considered sentient human. So, so I want to keep score here. In order for sentient life to exist, we need not yet invented technology. And if that technology exists, there's a very high probability that we're just going to use them for slave labor. And then thirdly, we're going to give them rights. So now we're going to create a species that humans will undoubtedly attack at some point. And then violate their rights. (laughs) I think we're trying to give them rights now ahead of the slavery thing, because I think the, I think the indentured servitude is like the unfortunately logical next step that a lot of people are thinking of when developing this technology. That's why there's those groups that are trying to legislate on their behalf to give them rights before they're even born. Well, how, how about this? Why don't we just, we have 8 billion humans. We don't need another 8 billion machines. Why don't we just outlaw sentient AI outright? Then we don't need rights for them. They won't take up space. They won't be slaves. What do you think? 
I think we're already on the path to the black market AI at that point, the underground AI, because if <laughs> there's, there, there's no way we're pulling the plug on this now. I think we're going to get look that into anyway. It. Black market AI. Look into it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> look into it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm teasing, of course. <laughs> no, no. It, I totally sound like Eddie Bravo many times to this podcast. So, I mean, I, but I did a bunch. I, all right. Full disclosure, I didn't do a bunch of research, but I did do a lot of cramming today. And <laughs> we're definitely, we're not, we're not arguing something that is rare and unheard of in this field. It, it's great because we're actually 100% lockstep with what's going on in the world of AI today. We've got your philosophical, we've got your computational, we've got your, you know, legislative. There's all this stuff that's going on. And, but... I got to say, I don't think we're stopping this train. And I think if we don't, if we, if we don't drop our egos and acknowledge that this could be really bad, we're not going to be able to stop it. If we have the ego that says, nope, they're just stupid machines and they're only going to be able to do what we tell them to do. And they'll only ever be able to do yes or no. And if we tell them that the fish in the bowl is not alive, that they'll crash because they can't prove that the fish in the bowl isn't alive. If we believe those things, we're going to totally get fucked. Sounds like we're in closing arguments. Is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> so sure. I, I refute your, your posit that we are on an eventual path to sentient AI. I believe it is impossible. Therefore, we cannot be on that path. We can only approach the speed of light. We can never attain the speed of light. That's my analogy. And I, I just don't see it. And I just think we're making more Roombas and smarter Roombas over and over and over. And, and Apollo is Atlas or those Boston Dynamics robots. That's all we're making but there's, it's like blockchain. That is awesome. What do we do with it? We have no idea. You know, there's, there's a few practical things, at least with AI, like robots and boxes and shit like that. Yeah, you move, but it, it, it's devolving into what do I not want to do? And I can have a machine do that's basically the practical application. And if that's the practical application, there is zero incentive to make it smart because then it can, or sentient, because then it could revolt against me. Why would I want that? I've created a, you know, a slave labor force. I don't want it to be smart. I just want it to be useful. Right. Wow. So you're the ego that I just exactly talked about. I can guess. I, can I end on, <laughs> can I end on one crazy thought before I bring the, you know, the thing? Yep. What if we are already the machines that are teaching the next level? Ooh, maybe maybe we should uh, have the next episode talk about our humans. Were we created or were we seeded on this planet? Hmm. Or we are we the hybrids? Exactly. Oh man. Exactly. Uh, hey, let's let's call Eddie Bravo. You guys number? You probably we totally need Eddie for this one. <laughs> maybe maybe even Alex. Oh. Well, Eddie. you know, I must say we're we're closing in here, but this I think it comes down to gut feel. I don't know if that we can, anyone, even the experts, air quotes, can predict what's going to happen. They all, I think, are get, are selling the VC people on, oh yeah, 
we're on this path with this science science fiction Blade Runner replicant. You know, it's just going to be amazing. Get in on the ground level. And I, I, of course, I think we're just making more Roombas. But, <laughs> you know, for me, I think we need a paranormal leap to to have truly sentient life. And paranormal to me is, you know, stuff for fiction. I think we need to acknowledge that right now, too, however, it's not just the capitalistic machine that's driving this. We have high-level educators in some of the brightest corners of our scientific, philosophical communities that are contributing to this as well. And they're not in the pockets of, you know, uh, commercial enterprises. They're looking into this as an evolution an evolutionary wanna, step of our society. They decided, hmm, that God person that everyone's like, oh man, Revere, I want to be God too, right? Well, I think that's definitely at the root of it, as I've stated several times. It's good to be God, except you're mortal. <laughs> yeah, but we all want to be. Yeah. All right, all right so, Bob. so we solved nothing again, but I got to tell you, this is awesome. I had so much fun doing this. This was a good one, not going to lie. Yeah. So I'm going to bring the future sentient AI light. 